the Lord had put it on my heart very strong because I don't get to do it all that often uh, to, to spend some time teaching on family dynamics, teaching on we, we're calling it this. We're calling it what's it like in a Christian home? How many think this is really important stuff to to minister on? I really believe it is. It's where the rubber meets the road in our circles, uh, especially um, Pentecostal and charismatic churches. You know, people kind of like to throw everything out except the things that they that they think are spiritual, you know. And so they, they're all about flowing in the gifts. And and we 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 thank God for those things. We believe in that. Right. And uh, praise God, healing and miracles. And we believe in that. We do. But somehow or another, it seems like the people in our circles, you know, do the worst job at just their at just you know, what the Bible says are some of the most important things, which is your home life. And in First Timothy here, among other places, Paul really goes into some details about the qualifications for leaders and qualifications for people that are helping in ministry. And we've said to you uh, repeatedly, and maybe you'll get it here this fourth time, that who is that supposed to be? Uh, helpers and leaders? That's supposed to be everybody in the church, everybody in the body of Christ is, has a place of ministry that the Lord, even if it's a, even if it's, I'm not saying it's a pulpit thing at all. For most people, it's not for some people it is. But I mean, even if it's to stand at the door and hold the door for somebody, even if it's to, you know, wash the toilets or things like that. You know what I mean? God has a place for everybody. Not everybody will take their place, but, but God has it nonetheless. Amen. So in listing those qualifications, we, we just noticed before, maybe we'll read some of them. Uh, let me get there, if you would. In the 14th verse, we started uh, saying this. Paul said, I hope I can come to you soon, but I'm writing these directions to you. If I have to put off my visit, you will know how you should act in God's family. The family of God is the church of the living God. It's the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Um, but all through, you know, and I invite you to go to, uh, well, even look in the second verse. It says a leader must be free from blame. He must be faithful to his wife. In anything he does, he must not go too far. In other words, he must control himself, must be worthy of respect, must be able to welcome people into his home. Verse three says he must not get drunk or push people around. Uh, it says he must be a person that doesn't like to argue. And I like how it says in verse four, he must manage his own family well. He must make sure that his children obey him and show him proper respect. Verse five says, suppose someone doesn't know how to manage his own family, then how can he take care of God's church? Well, I realize, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, pastor, that's what you're supposed to do. Because this is talking about pastors, but it's also, notice they use the word leader. And if you go on, Reading further, further along, which we won't, he says, also the helpers. And then he lists the same qualifications. And so it's for all of us. And, and you know, just by way of, of uh, review and all that, notice that the, that the main thing he talked about was not that he went to Bible school, not that he can quote all the books of the Bible backwards, you know, starting a revelation, going backwards, not that he's memorized X number of scripture, you know. But notice what Paul emphasized. It's going to show up in, in the home. Amen. We're not trying to make anybody into a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is. It's a person that just will, they'll talk one thing, but then act another thing. And how many cannot stand hypocrites? Right. Anybody watched any political? Spe I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you, you hear a lot of talk these days, don't you? Well, this is who I am. This is what I do. Who you are is who you've been the whole time. And let's go to your house and see who you are. You know, praise God. Well, I like the real thing. We're not trying to get people to come to church and act one way, you know, and act a certain way. It's not about that. What, what we're trying to do is give you the word to see that, hey, we might need to make some adjustments and changes all around. So that when we come to church, we're acting right. But it's just the same thing that we do all the time. Some folk, it's really hard to hide, you know, because especially with kids, they're not going to act different. Huh? I'm going to know adults are good at putting on a show. You get dressed up on the outside. Sometimes you, you change your whole way of acting. Amen. Praise God. Can we come by your place anytime of the day? 
any time of the night and, and not think that you're demon possessed. Huh? I didn't say we're going to come by your place, but I'm just asking, could we? Amen. The Lord's watching. What's he know about you? <laughs> Praise God. So really what we've done is just taken, taken this passage here and broken it down into several points. We've been giving you these points, you know, like a, the family is a family. And, and uh, if anybody ought to have a strong family, it's believers. Isn't that right? Again, we're not just trying to conform the outward. That's what religion does. Religion tries to get you conformed to, the, you know, outside. OK, stand up, sit down, turn to this thing, sit down again, you know, and you kind of get to where you're just going through the external motions of it. Amen. Well, thank God we've all come over here into, in a relationship with God and we've thrown out all the rules, you know, years ago. Glory to God. We've thrown out all that legalism. We've thrown out. And now you have all these Christians. They don't have a clue how to act. So the truth is in the middle. Thank God you came all the way over here to get away from that. But let's let's get back to the middle. Let's do it from the heart. But let's act right. In, because how you act, how you live on a day to day basis, it, that's directly connected to how much God can bless you, how much God can use you, how much of his power he could run through of you, what kind of witness you are yes, yes. in our day. And by the way, we're just living in a good day. We're living in the day of harvest. Yes. We're living. In, if you don't know that term, that's just you know what it would be naturally when the crop's ready and it's time to pick. Spiritually speaking, we're in a day of harvest. We're in a day of revival in Western New York. Did you hear me? We're in a day in revival in Western New York. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Lord said it to me a couple weeks ago. Now, I don't say that every service that the Lord said this, the Lord said, you know, some people that's every other word, you know, oh, God just told me this about you or God just told me this about. Well, if he does fine, you know, but 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 he doesn't do that with me that often, but he dealt with me. Revival's here. Amen. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. You're going to be too late. You're going to you're not going to get used in it. Amen. Anybody can believe it when they see it. In a Christian home, we won't review everything. You, you know, tapes are available if you missed a point or two. But I, I have three more points. I've given you 10. I have 13. So let me give you number 11 here, if I could, and invite you to turn to Romans chapter 13. You do know that we save the best for last. It's going to be hard to beat last week, isn't it? When we talked about lust and stuff like that. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Praise God. Um, number 11. What's it like in a Christian home? The love of God is the rule of the house. What are the house rules in your house? Are you in Romans 13? Would you please look with me in the ninth verse? In the ninth verse, it says this. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Everybody recognize those as being part of the Ten Commandments that you're not allowed to display anywhere now? Okay. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've heard that so much. I mean, I heard that before I ever knew who Jesus was. You know, you hear that. At least I did growing up in elementary school. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And the golden rule, you know, do unto others. I had no idea that was in the Bible, you know, till much later on. But love your neighbor as yourself um, says that's the rule that fulfills all of the Ten Commandments, that fulfills all the law. It's the New Testament law. The New Testament rule is something called loving others. But now that that's not talking about love like most most of the people down your block think of it, because that's talking about the love of God. You know, that Greek word agape that's translated love 
is, is something that only a Christian can do. You're supposed to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Pretty well, everybody. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's supposed to be the rule of the house. Now that just, by, by just talking about love here in, in Romans 13, you really didn't get a good picture of what the love of God does differently than, than you know, what other people say when they sing love songs on the radio. You know, to, if you turn over to 1 Corinthians 13, we have a real good picture of that there. If husbands and wives are having any kind of problems and they would write these couple verses out on a little index card and just sit down and read them together in the morning and in the evening. Um, well, you could turn things around quick, quick, quick. You know, the love of God has never been to the divorce court. It's just never been the love of God I'm talking about. And if you're not having problems, you should get these verses and write them down on a card and read them in the morning and in the evening. Amen. Verse four says love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you a kind person? At home, I know you're OK here at church. Come on, everybody. Are you kind? Are you kind? Do your neighbors think that you're kind? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Do you know a lot of husbands and wives, they envy each other? Well, he got to spend more than I did this month. Huh? I'm meddling with you a little bit. You just bought that. I didn't get to buy what I wanted to buy. I'm just going to move on and take that quietness as, as love is not proud. I want you to notice verse five. And if you want to underline something, this would be a good one. It is not rude. It is not rude. It's not OK to be rude in your home, everybody. Love's not rude. Not rude. You know, a lot of husbands and wives, when they get when they get home, they stop the sweet talk that they do out in other places and they just flat rude to one another. They do rude things. The husband, I mean, the wife will just get finished up cleaning in the kitchen and the husband will eat something and just leave it all over the place. What is that? Rude. That's rude. Amen. You're not supposed to talk rude. You're not supposed to act rude. Don't be rude. Tell you, point to your neighbor and tell them, don't be rude. It's not. Now, it is not self-seeking. The love of God is not self-seeking. Do you know whoever is number one in your home? It should not be you. Amen. You are never to be number one. You might say, well, I live by myself. I don't care. <laughs> this world doesn't revolve around you or me. Amen. Now, of course, the husband is supposed to, he does have the place of leadership as the, kind of the head of the family unit in the home. And the wife's supposed to give him that place and take her place under his leadership. Amen. Not talking about being a doormat, right? Hello. You guys believe the Bible? Okay, then I'm just going to preach bold today. Love is not self-seeking. Aren't husbands told to love their wives as Christ loved the church? Then take care of her first. If it's been a while since anybody's had a new outfit, husbands ought to take it, make sure their wife gets one first. Hmm? If you're cooking up some meat and different stuff and you burn one of them, don't don't turn it over and slip that one to your wife, you know. Or... <laughs> Love's not self-seeking. Love's not all about me. Right. What can I get? How can I get the most? That's what the world does. 
That's not what Christians do. And I'll tell you, in people's home, the reason why you have so much trouble is because it's a constant tug of war for me, me, me. How can I get the most? All you're going to have is the biggest mess to clean up. One of my uh, one preacher that I really like, I haven't seen him in years, but he's from Arlington, Texas. And and he just God told him to start a church and he was a man of faith and he just did it. And, uh, you know, it grew and grew and grew and it's doing really well. And God, I mean, God has blessed him financially, just really, really blessed him big time. And I mean, not because he's just getting a big salary or anything, but in a lot of different ways. And uh, to illustrate how blessed he was, he made this he wasn't trying to illustrate it, but you'll see why I, I set it up beforehand. He says he was talking about this subject. He said, my wife drives the best car in our collection. <laughs> well, if all you have is two beat up things, you don't talk about your collection, do you? <laughs> see, God blessed him. And that's why he's that's why he said it that way. He wasn't trying to, to show off or anything, but he's it's not self-seeking. Give her the best. Amen. And then see now, wives, you're not supposed to just say, OK, yeah, that's right. Give me the best. You suppose that's the, that's your rule too. love is your rule. How can I do my best for my husband? How can I do my best for my kids? What happens if you continually sow love? You're going to do OK yourself. It'll come back to you. Amen. Praise God. Everybody say love is not self-seeking. It's not all about me. Praise God goes on to say, love does not love is not easily angered. Ladies and gentlemen, look at this next phrase. It keeps no record of wrongs. Take your list. You know what I'm talking about and put it in the shredder because you are not living for God. If you if you remember anything people did to you 20 years ago much less your husband or wife or kids. There ain't no, there's no Christian walking in the love of God that does that. Amen. Christians forgive. Amen. Hallelujah. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, what's the result? Love never fails. Do you see why love is the rule? Amen. Praise God. The home, you know, should be a sanctuary and a peaceful place. And uh, your home should be heaven on earth. I know a minister acquaintance of mine. Um, his wife was working secular employment for a while, you know, while he was getting the ministry going and all that. And she had this one friend at work, girlfriend, who's, I mean, her family life, I don't know if she was living with a guy or whatever, but she was getting abused, beat up and all this and just was a wreck. And she finally, so the minister's wife finally said, just come home with me today, you know? And uh, she said, I, I brought him home and I put her in the room where my husband prayed and studied. And she said, she said she slept for about 15 hours and came out and said, I've never been in a more peaceful place in my life. Your home should be that way. I don't know if you realize it or not, but uh, it's it's recognizable when you walk into a place. If you're sensitive to God, uh, you can tell whether what's been going on in the home to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Whether there's hell in the home or whether there's heaven in the home. Praise God. The love of God's the rule of the home. Do you know that many husbands and wives, as soon as they're done with work, they look for anywhere else to go other than home. That's why the bars are full about five o'clock. It's not that people are just thirsty. It has very little to do with 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 physical thirst. He does not want to go home to the old lady. Amen. I mean, I could, uh, you know, I won't mention a name, but I know a family. And of course, they're, they're not together anymore. It was only a matter of time. But he had his bar. She had her bar. And after work, they each went to their bar every day. That's where all their money went pretty well. Amen. Praise God. 
You know, when you have the love of God constantly manifesting in the home, you'll, you'll hardly want to leave the home. You'll hardly want to go anywhere else. I mean, you go out to a lot of restaurants, they're, they're playing disgusting music and different stuff, you know, and uh, how many know what I'm talking about? If you've not experienced it, uh, do. Do you know the Bible says that God is love? And so if you are acting out the principles of love, you're bringing God on the scene. You see that? If you're putting the other person first, uh, the other person first, you're acting in love. God is love. You're manifesting God in the house. Praise God. So that was I, I said I had three of these. I better get. I better get to a next one. That was number 11. The love of God is the rule of the house. Now it gets better, everybody. Number 12. This is connected. Strife is not a common occurrence in a Christian home. Now here again, don't get, don't judge it. Don't get all upset and say, well, I just don't qualify. I'm never coming back. I'm never going to serve God. If you don't qualify in one of these areas, just write this down, hush your mind and receive from God and things can change, can't they? That's right. That's right. Strife's not a common occurrence. Listen, if, if the love of God is a manifestation of God, I want you to know that strife is a manifestation of the presence of the devil. It's true. So many people are brought up and and in an atmosphere of strife and they're so used to shouting and screaming and, and uh, arguing that they don't really notice how horrible it is. Let me say something to you. If you are around, uh, whether it's you or somebody else, if you're around a, a domestic argument or manifestation of strife and it doesn't phase you at all, it doesn't bother you, um, you you are off and need to get closer to the Lord because that should that should be very, very uncomfortable on the inside. What did we say strife was a manifestation of the presence of the enemy? God is love. Satan is everything that God's not. We're, we're, we're just not used to hearing fighting and screaming and shouting. And hateful talk, you know, and stuff like that. Now, listen, you can have low volume strife, too. It doesn't have to be so the neighborhood can hear it and there'd still be. I'm telling you, you walk in a home where, where sharp words were just exchanged. Or blows. You can tell it. You can tell it if you're walking with God. getting a lot of stares. Do you know that being hot-tempered is not an excuse? Well, I just have temper problems. Well, you're just carnal. <laughs> you're ruled by your flesh. Um, and I realize some people do have, you know, do tend to flare up more than others. It's because you haven't learned to control your flesh yet. I can have a bad temper if I, if I just, you know, Stopped reading the Bible. Stopped praying. Of course, you get it's the, the most frustrated person in the world is a Christian that's going backwards. Do you know that? They're the most they're the most miserable person in the world because they've tasted the good. And God is I mean, the grace is not there if they're not walking in it. You've never met anybody more miserable. Oh, man. Praise God. So it's really easy to be in strife in those kind of situations. Being hot tempered is not an excuse. Being of a certain ethnic descent is not an excuse. <laughs> well, you know, we're Italian. Well, you know, we're Greek. Well, you know, we're, uh, you know, my family's Irish. Right. And my family's Jewish. Y'all flesh ruled Irish, flesh ruled cat. Listen, I don't care who you are. Is there any ethnic group that's just totally peaceful all the time and automatically born with the love of God and doesn't have to doesn't have to conform to the word and 
Amen. You, you, you're going to go. You're going to let your temper go. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in strife if you don't make the effort to conform to the word of God. Didn't the Bible say don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. You, you need to you need to change your thinking in line with the word of God. You need to actually practice not responding like you used to. What you should do, man, if it's a husband and wife, sit down and, pl and schedule an argument on the calendar or something. Let's let's pick something we disagree about, schedule it and uh, and actually schedule. Uh, you're going to resolve it passively. Come on, we could all, we could probably find something that we haven't talked about in a long time because because we don't agree on it. Schedule it, put it on the calendar, sit down and, and just make an uh, effort on purpose. To have a uh, to uh, have a love of God contest on the issue. Amen. That might not be the best idea in the world, you know. <laughs> Maybe the best thing is just to drop it. But but you see what I'm saying? If you don't make a, a purposeful effort to resolve something passively, to not react but respond in love. Love responds. Flesh reacts. Praise God. Well, what if you're Italian and Irish? Surely you have you have a, an exemption, don't you? If you want to have hell on in your house, then, yeah. Well, pastor, why are you making a big deal about this? Everybody, every every house has, you know, occasional times where uh, people throw things and no, no, not you, not you. You don't have to ever throw things around the house at each other. Amen. You don't have to ever punch holes through the drywall. I mean, it's better than punching the person. I, I realize that. Amen. You don't ever have to throw dishes through the windows. Well, I would never do that. Yes, you would. If you let your flesh go long enough, you sure would. Amen. You might not be in the habit. Thank God for it. You know, it always takes two to argue. What if you won't be one of them? You know, one person can do a lot towards towards creating a peaceful home. I'd like you to look at Proverbs 13, if you could. Proverbs 13. I'll give you one key to, to reduce strife in a big way in your house. And that is this, everybody. Learn humility. You want to reduce fighting? You want to reduce strife? Learn this thing called humility. Because I'll tell you, the biggest cause of strife is this thing called pride. In the 10th verse of Proverbs 13, it says pride only breeds quarrels. How come people fight? What do they fight about? Well, I'm right. Whether they are or not, I'm right. Why do you have to be right all the time? What if you're right and the other person's wrong, but you still just let it go? Is that the end of the world? But no, I was right. Who cares? Who cares? Just be wrong this time. Amen. You did the, if you did the right thing and didn't get your right point across, that's better. Hallelujah. Pride breeds quarrels. My way. I'm right. Blah, blah, blah. Humility just uh, will give will give in. Now, I'm not talking about giving up. I'm not talking about laying down and letting the other person walk all over you. But you know what I'm saying? 
Humility doesn't have to sit there and fight it out. Have you ever been in a, you ever heard an argument where people just started screaming and saying, you know, I, I won't even demonstrate it because it would just mess up the, the great atmosphere we have in here right now. You know what I mean? But just, I hate you and why I wish I never married you. I wish you'd die. Do people ever say those kind of things to each other, to other people? Everybody go, uh-huh. People say those kind of things to other people. I've heard it. I only married you because I needed the money at the time. I've heard that with my own ears. And I'm sitting there thinking, what did this person just say? Amen. Only by pride comes cause. Learn humility. You know, it's interesting what Jesus said. Well, pretty well, everything that Jesus said is interesting. But the, the thing I'm referring to is when he said in Matthew 11, come, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. And he said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, hook up to me and learn from me. OK, if you stop right there, what do you know? OK, he's going to give me rest and I'm to hook up to him and I'm to learn from him. But then the next thing he says, he tells you what he wants you to learn. He said, I am meek or humble and low in heart and you'll find strife. Is that what it said? No, you'll find what? Rest. Rest. When you go home, maybe that's why I like to lay down on the couch so much when I go home, because we have a restful place. Amen. Learn of Jesus. What's the thing he mentioned to learn of? Learn, learn from me. You're going to learn humility. You're going to learn how to be a peace loving person. Amen. You'll live longer that way. Number 13, this is the last one. I believe this, if, if I could, if I just had to give you one point for this whole series, I would give you this one right here because it applies all the way around. Number 13, right words are spoken in the home. This really applies to every single point, but it's the last thing I want, I want to say and I want to, I want you to receive it as, as good as you can. If somebody asked me, Pastor, what one thing could turn things around the quickest in my home environment? We're just talking about your life, living, how to act. I'd, I'd say I wouldn't think about it. I'd say the words that are spoken. People typically are very, very loose with their words. And how many know a lot of folk, and it may be you, that if you think it, you say it. I mean, if, it, if there, there's just not even any filter there, if it just comes in the mind, it comes out the mouth. Boom. Right. Proverbs. Listen to Proverbs 25, 11. You don't have to turn there. It says the right word at the right time is like golden apples in silver jewelry. The right word at the right time. Let me talk to you about speaking to little ones. Because their spirits are very, very sensitive. And sharp words can really, really hurt them. You're in Proverbs 13. Would you look at Proverbs 12? One chapter over. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. I said to you, if I had to say one thing that would turn your home around the quickest, the words that are spoken. The Bible says, God said that reckless words do what? They pierce like a sword. Do you believe that? Has, has anybody experienced uh, the receiving end of that? Where somebody said something to you and it was just like they stuck a knife in you. Now, like I said, little little ones are more sensitive because they haven't they haven't been up through the world to get real calloused. 
After a while, those, you hear those kind of things enough. After a while, they don't, they don't affect you that bad. You go to a secular workplace where there's a lot of disgruntled employees. Man, people will use their mouth and it's like they're firing bullets all day long. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Almost everybody believes that. Uh, somehow or another, people don't believe the last half of it, that the tongue of the wise can bring healing. That you can say things that'll do the opposite of killing. You can speak and situations can be turned around. You can speak on purpose into somebody's life. And I mean, it'll work just like, you know, just like healing power would work. Huh? Is it more powerful negatively than it is positively? I mean, is the, is the pierce like the sword? Well, if you talk bad, we know how bad that is. But I don't know about that positive confession stuff. I don't know about that speaking on purpose stuff. It, it's just as powerful. Come on. How many know God said, let there be light? And there was. I realize it's a bit sobering. That's good. All of us have to work on this. You know, there's there's been times where where I have failed in this area as a as a dad, as a husband. I get busy just like you do, you know, and there's been times where I'm trying to get some work done and maybe I have the kids and they come around for the thousandth thousandth time, you know, daddy. And I go, what? And to me, that's not a big deal, right? But to a little one, what they hear is they don't just hear what they hear. I'm too busy for you. You are not important. Please go away. Which is what I meant when I said, what? <laughs> but if I but 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 had I heard myself say you're not important. I'm daddy's too busy for you. I don't have time for you. Go away. Well, I'd, I'd recognize immediately. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. How would you feel if, if you know, you visited this church and and uh, after the service, I came up and I said, I, you know, I appreciate you coming, but we're too busy for you. You are not important. We don't want to minister to your kind. Please go somewhere else. Well, some people would just get mad and leave. But if folk have any sensitivity about them, they'd be a touch hurt. Amen. The way the way you say stuff. That can pierce like a sword. I've had to repent to my kids before, but I've did it, but I've done it. I just, I just, you know, because sometimes you tell them something and it just did. They just didn't listen. And what should a parent do? Well, you should you should correct. But there's a right way and a wrong way, you know. And man, I've said I've said the wrong thing. I don't mean I've I don't mean I've said you're never going to amount to anything. Thank God I've never said that, you know. Some folk take it, take it way over the edge. But I've, I've had to, I've gotten my kids and I've said, listen, you disobeyed daddy. Yeah, I know I did. I know I did. I'm, and sometimes, man, you can tell they're really upset by it. I said, but listen, I want you to know daddy didn't say that right. I was, I, I said it mean. I shouldn't have said it that way. Didn't, doesn't mean you can't be firm. Doesn't mean you can't, you know, issue a command. It doesn't mean you can't put the fear of God in your little ones at certain times, but realize, realize how powerful this thing is. Amen. If it was a bow and an arrow, you'd never shoot it at the kid. You're smarter than that. If it was a gun or a rifle, you wouldn't load the thing up and just point it at the kid in most cases. People that do things like drown their kids are, are, are really, um, well, well, more than that. The devil's involved in a, in a very big way. And, you know, short of saying they're demon possessed, which you wouldn't know unless you were dealing with them. They've yielded big time to the devil. Because, no, and, you know, a lot of them are former Christians or, or people that said they're believers. You know what I mean? So they, they got yielding, listening to the wrong voices, doing the wrong things. Um, the love of God could never do that, you know. A normal person could never do that. But the Bible even says there's going to be a time where people are without natural affection, even for their kids. 
Man, what, your, your words are so, 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 so important. What you say, how you say it. There's things that to you, they were just a passing comment. And they may, but to the other person, it may wound them and it may stay with them for sometimes all their life. Be careful. If you need to repent to your kids, just do it. Humble yourself. Don't be so stinking full of pride, you know, that, that you can't tell the kids, hey, I missed it. I've been calling you mean and I've been calling you this and that. Don't label your kids. Praise God. I want to say more, but it's not coming all out the way I want it to. Hallelujah. For a little one to think that mom and dad doesn't believe in them, that is devastating. That is devastating. I'll tell you, that's why teenage girls go out and have sex with teenage boys or older. Because a lot of times their parents are blowing them off. You know? Well, you got a B minus. I always got A's in that subject. You're not, you never go, it's, you know, good thing you have some looks because you don't have anything else. Parents will say these things to kids. We were talking, uh, we were talking the other day about where is it, China, where you're only allowed to have one child? Yeah, that's not the worst idea in the world for some people. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that that's right. Amen. I mean, dear Lord, watch your words. What you say to your husband, what you say to your wife, what you say to your other family members. You may think, well, that's just, you know, I don't mean anything by it. That's just that's just the way I am. Change the way you are, please. Words are powerful for that other person to live with you. You know what they have to do? They have to harden themselves to it. And they're not just hardening themselves to you. They're hardening themselves to where the, they, they can't. Receive from God like they want to, like they should, because they had to get hard harder. They got to get tough. Well, just serve God. You'll have to be tough enough. You know what I mean? Without being all hard hearted. I've been around married couples. I mean, they're dedicated Christians. And I heard him speak to her and I've almost jumped because I didn't expect to hear what I heard. Oh, they didn't say anything. What they said wasn't wrong, but the tone of voice. Barking in order. One person, I said something to him about it. Oh, well, I don't mean anything by that. That's just, you know, it's just how I talk when I'm busy. You need to change. You need, I don't care if you think you don't mean anything about it. What about the other person? Right, right. This is this is the biggie. Um, does it matter how you live? It's not just going to church and and saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's got to show up in your house. It's got to show up in your home. Amen. There might be some adjustments that uh, that you might need to make in your relationships, in your houses. Christians don't cuss, by the way. Did we talk about that? I don't think we talked about that. Oh, that's right. The foyer of the church. I did talk about people that called me on the phone and read me out with, you know, with a string of cuss words and all. But praise God. Your words. Praise God. I want to pray over you today. Pray for your homes. I promise you, I have other stuff I could preach on. I have things that have that have been written out. That I could, I mean, they're ready and they're, to me, they're more what I, what I'm used to and what I like than something like this. But I don't know anything more important than this right now. God gave it to me. If it didn't all come out like, like uh, he intended it, well, he'll have mercy on you, help you hear better. He'll have mercy on me, help me preach better. Amen. But you've got the spirit of it. Amen. 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 Father, we pray for, we pray for these here. And Father, we pray for the homes. And Father, we thank you that in every single case represented here and in every single home, we declare, Lord, that the homes are going to change into heaven on earth. Those that are good, Father, we thank you. We'll stretch and we'll go even even uh, even more like you. 
And Father, those that have had problems, Father, thank you for causing good change and big change. And Father, we commit ourselves to it. And we say that we'll have the kind of home that the Lord Jesus could walk in and we wouldn't have to put anything away. We wouldn't have to make any adjustments. And Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for the light and the testimony it'll be in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we bless you. Praise God. What's it like in a Christian home? We're going to come to your house and find out. Hey everyone, this is Joel Siegel once again. Hey, can I have just another moment of your time, please? Thank you, by the way, for listening to these messages. I hope they were a real blessing to you. They, the, the truth sure have been a blessing in my life. I know they will in yours also. Listen, I want to make sure that if you're listening to these messages that you know for certain that, say, for instance, your heart was to stop beating today. Do you know that you would go to heaven for sure? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Uh, you get a lot of answers to that question. Some people say, well, you know, I'm a good person, and I'm glad you're a good person, but being a good person does not make you a Christian. Some people say, well, pastor, you know, I go to church, and I'm glad you go to church, but do you know that going to church does not make a person a Christian? Some people say, well, I was raised in a good Christian home, and I'm so glad that you were, but that does not, does that make you a Christian? You know, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that those who are raised in a good home are going to be going to heaven. No, Jesus uh, is the one who came, who died, who paid the price for us to go. The Bible says he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and nobody can come to the Father but by him. You know, if we want to go to heaven, and let me assure you that you do, there is a place called hell that is real, it is eternal punishment, it is, it is just terrible in every way, and uh, you don't want to go there. There is a place called heaven that is wonderful in every way. You want to go there. But listen, everyone, you don't go by wishing. You don't go by, by just, you know, repeating prayers over and over again. You can only go God's way. And thank God we know God's way. He's told us in his word, the Bible. You know what Jesus said to a man named Nicodemus one day is true for us all. Nicodemus was a, a person that is probably not unlike a lot of the people listening to this recording. He was a good man. He was a very religious man. He was a faithful man in his religion. Um, he was a man who knew the words of God and had studied a lot. Uh, you'd call him a leader. If it, was, if it was the church today, you would call him a church leader. Nicodemus was a very good man. I mean, I dare say he was probably a better person than most of us. Well, Nicodemus came to Jesus one day, and it's interesting uh, that when Nicodemus started talking to Jesus about spiritual things, Jesus did not say, hey, Nicodemus, I'm so glad that you and I are going to be together in heaven. He didn't say that. He, he brought up something that was probably a shock to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't go. You can't enter in to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is this born again all about? That's the way, my friends, that we can get to heaven through Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. So I'm glad about all the other things. If you're a good person, a, a, you know, a person that even has knowledge of God and, and is in a church and things like that, terrific. But if you have not been born again, none of those things matter. Let's get right now to that which does matter. What does it mean to be born again? You know, really, to put it as simply as I know how, it means that you make a decision to give God all your heart. And in return, he gives you a brand new nature on the inside. And it's the, by virtue of that decision that you become a child of God. You sometimes hear in our society, well, we're all children of God. That is so untrue. That is so incorrect. Children of God can only be born into the family of God spiritually. And that's what Jesus meant when he said you must be born again. So that's something that all of us must do. If you haven't done it, uh, it's something that can happen right now. Listen, how do you get born again? Very easy. Romans chapter 10 says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart, see, it's a heart decision. If you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
My friend, you can have absolute confidence by the time you turn this this recording off today that heaven is your home. So let's just release our faith right there, uh, right in this area. If you've never prayed and asked the Lord to come into your heart, if you've never made that decision to give your heart to the Lord, do it right now. Why don't you just pray this prayer after me? You know, it's not the words that are so important. It's your heart. Do you mean it? Are you ready to give the Lord your all? Pray this with me. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he paid the price, that he suffered and died for the sin of the world. And that includes my sins. The price has been paid. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you also that you said in your word that if I would confess with my mouth the Lordship of Jesus in my life. And if I believe in my heart that he's risen from the dead, that I'd be saved. Father God, right now, I come to you and I receive Jesus as my Lord. I do believe that he died for my sins. And was risen again the third day. And is alive right now. And I do say. That Jesus is my Lord. Father I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take it and do your will with it. And I thank you. That in exchange. You've given me. A new life and a home in heaven. Thank you, Father, that I'm your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that, oh, it's just such an awesome, wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you, drop me an email and let me know that you have. Go to one of our websites. You can go to www.biggodmedia.com or at the church, www.goodnewsfamilychurch.org. And there's, there's ways to contact us there, and we will rejoice with you. You know, one important thing is to get in a good church and begin to grow spiritually. And uh, we can help you find one of those as well. And if you're in the western New York area, Good News Family Church is a great place. We invite you to come be with us. Bless you. We'll talk to you again.